Welcome back to Above the Shoulders Podcast. I'm Angela. And I'm Brendan. And today we're going to be talking about college. So yeah, we're going to be talking about college a lot. We're This is kind of a packed show. Um, we have a little bit of experience. I'm a teacher, and there's a lot of information, I think, that my kids come to me and leave not knowing about college. College is like a weird subject that a lot of people have a general idea about whether it comes to applying, where to go, what they want to do, things like that. But there's a lot of specifics and a lot of things that are more learn as you go, and I kind of want to address those. Because I see a lot of people making mistakes with their degree. First, I think we should talk about private versus public schools. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different facets of college life, um, private versus public school. Brendan and I both went to a public university. Absolutely. And my sister started at a private university and ended up at a public university. Yeah, and you know to to be completely honest, obviously cost is the most the biggest difference in between a private and a public school, but another thing is grades. Yeah, so so cost public universities on average are cheaper, but that varies a lot too because there are some public universities that are actually really expensive when you think about it, especially if you're an out-of-state student. That oh, that always gets you. <laughs> really ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Now, a private university on average is much uh, more expensive than a public university, but there are exceptions. There are small private schools that just have a lot of scholarship money out there available to make that cost offset. It's, it's honestly... It can be cheaper to go to a private school if you do your research. I would say if cost is an issue, I would go to a right out of the gate community college. There are requirements that are needed for a bachelor's degree that don't have anything to do with your actual degree. Referred to as general education or gen ed. Yeah, gen ed, general education. And that applies a lot more specifically for... Uh, liberal arts degree. So what a liberal arts degree is, I have a bachelor's of science in mathematics. Angie has a bachelor's of science in business administration and marketing. What We both have liberal arts degrees, but we both have bachelor's of science. So liberal arts does not necessarily mean that I have an art degree. It doesn't mean that uh, it, it's politically motivated liberal. Um, it doesn't mean that at all. What liberal arts means is that we have an education in which our foundation comes from a, div a diverse set of classes. We don't have, you know, I'm a math major, so we don't have just math classes that I take. You know, I had to take some English classes and some history and some science. I, I had to have a foundation of, of a, a, a diverse field. And then I worked my way up to a more specified approach to my degree. Would you agree that that's the same thing in your particular field? Definitely. I mean... Uh, listen, I did not want to have to take geology, but I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, learning. I, it's funny because I started out actually as a nursing major, and then I hated it, and I switched to geology. And I was a geology major for a full semester until um, – well, so every degree has something called a weed-out course – and it's the objective of the weed out course is to weed out the people who don't. Belong. I swear the geology program at App State that is a weed out degree plan. It just is so difficult. <laughs> and when I was a geology major, 
I got through the first geology class, and then I got to the next one, the second level geology class for geology majors. And it was called Evolution of Earth with a professor named Dr. Waters. Now, Dr. Waters was a great guy. I'm not, this is not bashing Dr. Waters, but he had a high expectation for me. And at that particular point in my life, I was not ready to meet that expectation. And let's just say as a weed out course, I was weeded out at day two. And that is when I decided I didn't like writing essays. I didn't like reading. I was going to be a math major. Little did I know that there was a ton of writing. There's a a bunch of reading on top of all the problems that you have to solve. So I don't think I really, I don't really don't think I minimized the amount of reading and writing that I had to do by switching from geology to mathematics. But anyways, we were talking about the liberal arts, uh, mindset and degree in education so but you're saying that is so private schools do they can they be liberal arts too so that is a great question yes and no there are absolutely private schools that have a liberal arts background where you have that let me take a diverse approach in the beginning get that 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 fundamental foundation of a bunch of different classes and let me take a more um and let me, let me build on that to, to reach my end goal of a math degree or of a business degree or a physics degree, history degree. There is also private schools that let you take a direct approach to what you want to do right then and there. So they don't require as much of these foundational courses. Like I had to take Appalachian music. And while I thought it wasn't an, a great class, I, and, you know, I'm happy that I know some of the musicians and, and I'm happy that I got to play with some of the instruments and learn about it and, and attend some cultural events. It didn't help my degree. Maybe it helped me feel like more part of the community, I guess, because we were living in the Appalachian mountains and there was lots of, you know, fiddling festivals and things like that. Bluegrass music was really big, but I don't think that it was necessarily needed for my degree. Now it was a requirement to obtain the, the degree. Absolutely. But, didn't help it. There are private schools that allow you to kind of cut those ones out. Now they, usually those types of schools, they still require English classes and they still require, um, you know, some classes that are out of your major. Absolutely. you you need to learn to read and write at a high level, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, you don't have to necessarily take all those, um, fill fill in classes I don't I don't really know how to describe it you get more of the as a math major I would probably have taken more uh I don't know differential equations or chaos theory or maybe taken a few grad courses to see if I was at the graduate level which I know I am now so that makes me happy but I I wish I had that opportunity as an undergrad so another thing with private school like say you're in high school you haven't always tried the hardest at your classes or the opposite. You try extremely hard. You can... There is a private school for you. Because you... There are some private schools that you didn't try the hardest in. And they have a very... They will accept a lot of students. So if you wouldn't necessarily get into a public university, you might try out for a community college, like Brendan said, or uh, if you want to, you know, maybe get away from your hometown, um, go to a private university and get the college experience. Absolutely. And on the flip side of that, there are private schools, Duke University, Harvard, Yale, all of those schools private research institutions that 
are ridiculously hard to get in. And if you worked so hard that you have the ability to go to one of those schools, then that is absolutely fantastic for you. So cost kind of works both ways. Grades kind of work both ways. And opportunity. I don't think it works both ways for opportunity. Do you disagree? Well, let me hear your explanation first. Well, I, I guess there too, could be two two sides to the coin of this one as well. But, you know, usually at most private universities, they have smaller populations than they do at public universities. And therefore, you know, you get a better one-on-one experience with your professors, which probably means better recommendations for you. You know, you can put them on your resume, whatever. And also, they have better placement programs for helping you find a job after college or an internship while you're in college. Um, things like that. You just get a more, like, you, you get a more personal experience. Like, most of my professors, if they saw me today, they probably would have no idea who I was. I didn't have the opportunity to really make that connection with them. And App State never found me an internship or placed me at a job. I had to do all of that on my own. Now, l- let me just rephrase. We are not bashing Appalachian State. We had an absolutely phenomenal time there. And those opportunities were there. They just weren't there for everybody. So as a math major, I knew I wanted to teach out of high school because I had a scholarship that required me to teach. Or not out of high school, I'm sorry. I had a scholarship that required me to teach out of college. So Appalachian State, they didn't find me a job, but they definitely found me internships because I had to student teach. That was definitely a requirement for your degree. And now th- I did have a class where it was um, professional selling, where I was placed with a salesperson. And I did try to find one on my own, and I wasn't very successful. So the professor did end up placing me with somebody. And that was semi an internship. Um, I, bet you- I bet if you were to call her today, though, you would have a job instantly. Yes, but she was a Mary Kate representative, so... You know, I don't want to necessarily be doing that, you know, but. um... I completely understand. So I would take it from the perspective that, yes, I think private schools have more opportunities in that sense. Smaller population, therefore more opportunities per student. But I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, I wonder if, because they're a smaller university, do they have less, less general opportunities for jobs? But I, I question that because I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily true. And I don't think it's necessarily true because when I think about it, there, there's private schools that produce you know, such good researchers. I mean, if you graduate from Harvard, you're prob- if you graduate with Harvard, you have, you're going to have a job afterwards. I don't really care what your degree is in. You're going to have a job afterwards. So is that mean less opportunity? No, that would absolutely mean more opportunity. But I would also say that that I'm not going to downplay it and say public universities don't have opportunity. They they absolutely do. Larger universities, I mean, not just larger universities. Most universities, um, you want to make sure that they do research. If they do research, then they are getting grants from somewhere. So getting grants from somewhere, that means they have connections with some type of either government agency or company that's interested in that research. And if you are, you know, get involved in that research, there's just a lot of opportunities all the way around. And yes, there's got to be 
public universities that don't have as much. And there's got to be private universities that don't have as much. But I would say that those are the three things that you need to consider when thinking about private versus public is cost, your grades, because you don't want to be unrealistic, but you also don't want to sell yourself short. So cost, grades, and opportunities. And I think opportunities is probably one that a lot of people, when they originally start applying, they don't think about. Like what they think about is, oh, what does the dorms look like? Because they lead you on the dorm tour. When you go and visit a college there, they're bringing you around to the dorm tour. And yes, they might, they're going to take you into the cafeteria and they might take you into a building and meet a professor. And yes, the professor might talk about some research things. But the thing that you take a picture of is the dorm. Or the campus in our case, because our Appalachian State's campus is to die for. Oh, absolutely. I didn't oh, absolutely. live there for and the dorm, trust me. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and I agree. I was just saying dorm as like a figure of speech for you're more concerned with aesthetics at that particular moment. Or like moment. what kind of food they have on campus. Like App State had a Chick-fil-A in the cafeteria and people went crazy for it. Oh, absolutely. That Chick-fil-A honey mustard is nothing to joke about. <laughs> but... You know, if if we go in with that mindset of what opportunities do you have for me, it makes those other things a little less, uh, not desirable, they absolutely are desirable, but a little less important. They put some down on the priority list a little farther. And hopefully we're, I'm trying to convince you to bring opportunities to the forefront when you're thinking about colleges and universities and things like that. Like I said, if if it comes down to cost, if I were to do this again, I would probably go to a community college first and then go to a four-year university. You, with that, though, you just have to make sure that your credits are going to transfer. Absolutely, and that is from your own research. Another thing we didn't mention is that the reason that I would do that is because your freshman year at a lot of universities, you're required to live on campus. Which is expensive. Which is expensive. Living on campus is not cheap. It's actually... We did the math, and it was cheaper for us to live in an apartment than it was to live on campus. And that was over, you know, an apartment was 12 months while campus was a few months here. You get a month off for Christmas break, and then a few months. So here. basically, like nine months of, of the year. Absolutely. So, like nine months of the year, and we were living 12 months of the year cheaper than when it was costing us to live nine months. With of, a lot more room absolutely. and privacy. Absolutely. With a ton more room, less roommates, and our own freedom to make decisions. So I would think if we were to go back, that's what I would do is I would go to a community college first, knock out those two years really cheaply, then go to a four-year university. And hopefully you don't make the same mistake that a lot of people make when they go to a four-year university and change their major 10 times. You know, if you're going to change your your mind about what you want to do, do that while you're doing gen ed at a community college. Definitely, because I never changed my major and I was able to finish my degree in three years. Not three and a half, exactly three years. Yeah, you you uh, you really worked hard. And for we us. do have a blog post on um above the shoulders podcast dot com about how I did that. So you should, guys should go check that out. Oh, absolutely. There's some really good tips in there about summer classes and things like that. That was awesome. All right, so now we're gonna transition into our next phase, and it's called. Major versus career. Major versus career. So what you major in is not always where you work or what you do. And I think that this is kind of a misconception. 
because a lot of people, and this will get into our third topic in a little bit, but a lot of people think that the, the degree leads to the job or the career, and it should, but I don't necessarily think that that you should be stuck on the idea that you can only do one thing with this major. And I think that's where we get stuck a lot. A lot of people get a math degree and they think they should only be mathematicians when there is a thousand other things you can do with a math degree. The reason I became a math major is because it was such a broad field and I didn't have to just teach. I could go and work for research or I could go and work in the private industry with um, engineers. I could do computer programming, computer science, coding, all of those things with the math degree. Um, so, Ange, you should talk a little bit about how your degree, you know, because you have a kind of interesting story about how your degree led into a job of your field. So you have a marketing degree. Yes, and so I started out at my current company two weeks after we graduated from college, and I was basically like a front desk person, reservationist, and my performance in that position gave me my promotion to the marketing department. So, you know, you might start as in on a at a company and not be doing exactly what you thought you might, but your success could get you promoted into the field you or the department you want to be in. That's a really cool way to look at it. So, you you can get a degree, get put into a position that you might not necessarily want, and then use that to build into a position that you're really looking for. So, you can think of your degree as a platform, gets you into the door, and then your work ethic should get you into the position that you ultimately dream of. It should not just, the degree should not necessarily just require you into a position. You kind of need to show some some aptitude for, for that position. Just because you have some knowledge doesn't necessarily mean you have the, what, I can't remember, there's a baseball term where they just say that you have it. I can't remember. There's a I, I know professional scouts in baseball talk about that there's something that some players just have, and I can't. There's a term for it, and I and it's kind of making me go blank. But there's an actual term, and but I'll just say the word it. You know, there's there's this there's this there's just this quality that 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 certain people have that need to be in those positions that will will make the company or the business or whatever industry that you're in, whether it's academia or private industry or public industry or whatever sector in life you're in. There's an it factor that's kind of needed. So just because you have the mindset and the skill set doesn't necessarily mean that you have the it factor. And you kind of need to figure out what, what you're good at, what your hobbies are, some things that you enjoy, some things not only that you enjoy, but some things that you are good at. I did not enjoy math. I didn't like accounting, which is a part of business. Yeah, <laughs> or statistics. <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain things that you just, you know, you might be just good at. And that's okay. You need to figure out how to enjoy the things you're good at. So the last phase of this conversation is one that I have been thinking about a lot. And I think Angie has too. And this is kind of where we want to spend a good bit of time on. And it is called What Most College Students Get Wrong. And what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the idea that you worked for a degree for four years. And after that, you feel like 
you should just instantly go into the job, which we discussed a minute ago. But what I don't think we understand is that while you work for a degree for four years, you should be requiring something of that degree. Degrees are supposed to be valuable. The reason we get them is, is uh, there's a few reasons we get them in my belief. This Now, this is coming from my perspective. One of the reasons I got my degree is because I wanted to continue my education. I wanted to be more knowledgeable about things in life. It might not necessarily be about a lesson or moral in life. But what I wanted to be was more knowledgeable about overall subjects. And I think that that's a reason I got a degree. Another reason I got a degree is because, you know, I was... I. There's so many people who came before me that have afforded me the opportunity to be able to get a degree. There are places in there there are places in the world in countries that that getting a degree is just not an option for everyone. And so I felt like I wanted to prove it to myself. I wanted to prove it to um pretty much everyone around me because I was the first I was a first generation college student. And those things I thought were you know, th those were enough for me to get a degree. But another reason I kind of want to do it is because there's just not a ton of people who do it. Yes, there's a ton of people who go to college. And yes, there's a ton of people who graduate with the degrees, but there are not a ton of people who graduate with your specific degree. Whether that is math, whether that is English, whether that is uh, journalism. There's a lot of things that you have to offer. And so that's what I want to talk about. Something that we get wrong with degrees is that we think that a degree should take us from point A to point B. And I want to change that mindset with this conversation. A degree, yes, can get you from point A to point B. Point B being successful. But that doesn't mean that your degree is a direct path to success. Your degree should be thought of like a car. Yes, you hope that your degree takes you on the most efficient route from point A to point B. And that's kind of what we want it to do. But that shouldn't be the only thing that it does. Your degree should be like a car in which you can take back roads and you can take scenic routes and you can expand your experiences and expertise in a way that might not necessarily be useful at the moment, but one, but, but will be useful to you later on down the road. So let's think about Angie's example a minute ago. Angie just talked about how her degree was in marketing. Yes, it was in business administration, but her concentration was in marketing. She would have loved to have gone straight from point A to point B to be a successful marketer. That's not how life happens. What she did, she, she took a back road. She got some experience working at, at the front desk of a company so that she can be able to demonstrate her aptitude to be able to go on to the next. You also need to make your degree work for you. And I think that this is an important topic. And what do I mean by making your degree work for you? So you work four years for a degree, but you have hopefully a long life after that degree to be lived. So you spent four years of your life extra Learning, gaining experience, critically thinking, challenging your beliefs, your notions, your preconceptions, all of these things. And you have garnered all of these experiences and expertise that some people just don't have. 
So how do you make your degree work for you? Well, one is you can get a job using your degree. So I'm a math teacher. I'm a, I'm a math major. I became a math teacher. But that's not it. I wrote a book. I, and Angie, so did Angie. We took our degrees and the expertise that we gained from the degree and we wrote books. At one point, I was really big into photography. We would go to some of these cultural events in the Appalachian Mountain region and I was I got I got pretty good at taking pictures. And I was taking photos that were being shared on Instagram and things like that. That has nothing to do with my math major, but it has everything to do with my degree. Because within that degree was that liberal arts foundation in which I took classes that led me to get those experiences, that put me in a position to be successful, that put me in a position such that I can use my skills, my advantages in life, and, and build on those. You need to take your degree, and yes, you hope to find a job, and that's what I want you to do. But that is not the only thing that you should do. You need to to teach. You need to, and teach is, is a broad word I'm using here. I'm not saying go to a public school and become a teacher. I'm saying provide content. If you have an expertise, then you need to be valued for those expertise. Your expertise could be in history. Your expertise could be in accounting. Your expertise could be in anything. Music. So how, you need to come up with your own plan as to how to provide yourself with an opportunity to use your degree more than once in the same day. That's what I challenge you to think about. I want you to, when, whether you're applying to college, whether you're thinking about going to college, whether you think that uh, you're stuck, you were never able to find a job with your degree, I, want, I challenge you over the next six months to figure out a way to use your degree twice in one day and then do it again tomorrow. And do it again the next day. So every day my book is on Amazon, I'm using my degree. Every day I record a new podcast where I talk about my expertise in mathematics, I'm using my degree. Anytime I log into some private tutoring websites and tutor people across the world, I'm using my degree and my expertise. There are multiple avenues towards success. Do not pick one. Branch your fields out and gain the experience gain the background, and become successful in what you do. That is what we get wrong with college. No, success is not point A to point B with a degree. And it shouldn't be. You need to be able to take your experiences and maneuver them in a way that, that sets you up for success in a bunch of different fields. In stocks, we call this diversification. Why not do it in life? What do you think, Ange? I mean, I would like to elaborate a little more on content creation because that's what I wrote my book about. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, use your degree in more than one ways. Like for us, yes, I work as a marketer by day, but by night we're doing this podcast. We're creating content. We're posting on our blog. We are, you know, we're doing more, just more than just our main jobs. And I mean something that we probably will end up talking about more in future episodes is the idea of a secondary income or a passive income setting that up for yourself and you can definitely do that in whatever field you study you know you can have your your main gig and, and side jobs you know like like Brendan said yes he's an educator but he developed these photography skills so on the side he could sell all these photos that he's already taken on Etsy and just make money and, and no extra work for him. And I and I did 
I've done weddings before, and this all stemmed from me taking classes that put me in a position where I had to create content, and I just chose, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll take pictures, and I learned how to do it because of the experience I got in the classroom at a university. Well, I think that that wraps us up for this conversation. So we really want you today to, to consider public versus private, major versus career, and how do you make your degree or your education, not just degree, but education, work for you in multiple ways. It shouldn't just be a one-size-fits-all. It can't be just a one road to success. It has to be weird. There's got to be detours. There's got to be setbacks. It just has to happen for you to garner the experience. And maybe not set, maybe setbacks will happen to everybody. You need to be resilient, get through them, and use your experiences that you've gained. You put your head down for four years and earned something. If you got a master's, even if you got an associate's, you put your head down for two extra years and earned something. Use it to help people that haven't. Or use it to help people that have understand it better. Live life above the shoulders. Keep sharpening your brain. We really appreciate you spending this night with us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you very much. We'll see you much. next time. See you next time.